from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School Series XM Channel 111. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we're taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia, and I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have... Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who are here throughout the show and will be taking your calls all hour long. So give us a call now because it is Open Call Thursday. And you know what that means. It means you can call on any topic that you like related to the job search or career or you know what? Maybe you just want to talk to Deanna and Michelle because they they don't get enough people calling them. And I know I know you guys have a cult following online, so we get lonely in here. Oh yeah, they get lonely. Eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or maybe you just want to know where Dion gets his great quiz answers. Dion, where do you get your great quiz answers? You don't want to know the answer. Okay, to that. we don't want to know the answer. But if you want to know the answer, you can give us a call. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. But to help us with Open Call Thursday, we welcome back special guest Dr. Richard Marcus, who is a licensed psychologist with over 30 years' experience in career outplacement, executive coaching, assessment, and succession planning. Richard has a PhD in counseling psychology right here from the University of Pennsylvania and serves as an executive coach for the Wharton School's. MBA and advanced management programs. Welcome back, Richard. Hi, Dawn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you on Career Talk. And it's always great to have a fellow psychologist on because today I thought we we could talk a little bit about pursuing a career coach and maybe what are some of the differences between career coaches and therapists and life coaches and headhunters and all of these different people out there who help with careers in different ways but do it differently and might be of use at different stages in your career search. So I thought that may, might be a fun thing to talk about. But you also specialize in helping people figure out what they want to do, Richard, which I think in today's day and age with gig economy, portfolio careers, people moving jobs every 4.2 years, and the opportunity to do different things, whereas you, we're not retiring from the same company after 30 years. This is this is a great opportunity, but it's also a hard one, because now that we can do anything we want, we need to figure out what is it we want to do. Hey, if you want to figure out what you want to do with your career next, give us a call. You're listening to Career Talk, and we are taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So let's, let's start out, Richard, with the different types of coaches. And I want to talk about something we don't actually talk about a lot on this show. But since we're both psychologists, which is a very different type of coaching, you know, it, when does somebody know if they need to pursue maybe a therapist you know, or somebody licensed in mental health versus a, a coach? That's a great question, Dawn. I, I would say that you it's really about self-awareness, how well you know yourself. But if you are experiencing behaviors that might feel like they are uh, in the extreme, uh, for instance, uh, depression, you were depressed or sad excessively, or any kinds of uh, behaviors that, are, that you feel just aren't normal, it's probably better to go see somebody that's got a, a credential as a, a in the behavioral health care field. And that's usually either a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a social worker. And that's differentiated by somebody who's uh, got experience as a life coach that may be able to help you some other areas, but really doesn't have the training to focus on those specific behavioral kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. Let's break that down even further. So a psychiatrist is somebody who has a medical degree. And you know, typically, they sometimes do counseling, but a lot of times people go to them specifically to get a prescription medication. for medication. Um, and a psychologist, is is and a social worker and there's there's a marital and family there's a right. lot of these credentials right. what how, how would you classify them differently Richard uh, well like you said uh, psychiatrists have medical backgrounds and focus primarily on uh, prescribing medications psychologists usually have doctor or have doctorates and so they have probably the most extensive training they train the longest the doctoral 
program is usually uh, six, seven years. Uh, MSW social workers, that's a two-year program. They are pretty well credentials also, maybe not quite as extensive as psychology, although people do occasionally get uh, doctoral degrees in social work also. And then there are a range of other behavioral health care, like you say, uh, credentials that are usually master's degree, like marriage counseling, et cetera, drug counseling. And each state has has a license, so you want yes. to make sure you want to find somebody licensed. And and so as it relates to a career, I mean, there can be a lot of things that that kind of spiral up that stem from the career. And you may think, oh, once I get a new job or once I, I figure this out, I'm going to be okay. But you talked about you know depression or anxiety um, and some of these other things that might indicate you need to to get more in depth help around the core of what the problem is versus just slapping the bandaid on of getting a new career. Mm-hmm. So so some of those symptoms they. they they should be, um, it, when you're thinking about this, they're probably pervasive. So I think I read somewhere that most people are, are down four days a month. There's four days a month or right. just an off day, bad day, ugh, the world. Um, but if it's pervasive, that's when you need to kind of think about, do I need something more? So so what are some of those symptoms that you might experience around depression or anxiety that that are indicators because we all get anxious for an interview. We all yeah. get anxious for a presentation. But like, what are some of those deeper ones? Well, you just described it very well. It's really partly it's um, the length of time that you're feeling a certain way because, like you said, it is uh, normal to feel a uh, down sometimes. But if it extends for too long and too long could be a couple of weeks, then maybe you want to think about it. And again, particularly in situations where – uh, there's nothing in your life situationally that would be that dramatic that you should be feeling that down. Another uh, thing to think about frequently is um, kind of a mood swings. So uh, people that can kind of be real high sometimes and mm-hmm. then go real low. Uh, and these, these can be uh, for uh, days at a time for each. So they often can be considered um, uh, bipolar uh, so so those are, are situations that really have a medical component and should be evaluated medically. And, and often the best way to do that initially maybe is to go to your family doctor who has a lot of experience in seeing these um, symptoms superficially but then can refer you on to the proper uh, credentialed um, professional. Yeah, I want to talk about, too, how to find somebody because I find that in you know a lot of people come to me and say, I, you know, I'd love to see a therapist or I think I need to talk to somebody, but I have no idea even where to start finding that um, um, so I think you already mentioned one, go to your family doctor, but I think there's a lot of other websites and places you can go. And, and one of the things that we know through the research, it's really critical that you connect with your therapist in terms of building that, that trusting relationship. So you may need to call a couple before you find the one. So, so what are some of those websites, Richard? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure of uh, which websites um, y- you might look at, and, and I'd be sort of careful with some of the websites. But what you do want to look like at for any website is, again, the credentials. And that would be if the person has a, a, a degree from a recognized university, an advanced degree from a recognized university in the field, and um, that they're licensed by their state. So those are sort of the baseline um, areas. The other thing I've often recommended to people is if, if they're looking for a therapist and they live in a uh, in a in a, a large uh, a city or a medium-sized town is call the local um, university um, healthcare system mm-hmm. because they'll often have departments, behavioral healthcare departments with outpatient um, programs, and then you can uh, tell them what your symptoms are. They'll have a process where you can get worked up, and there you have good confidence that you're um, going to be uh, uh, well. You know, well, they'll be well credentialed. I do absolutely agree with you that there has to be a fit, so that when you first see a therapist, I don't care what their credentials are. If um, you don't feel comfortable, uh, you should go look for somebody else. It ha- there has to be a good fit. And just because you doesn't, don't feel comfortable, don't assume it's you. It may or may not be you. It just may be the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I mean, it, that makes a, a great point. And I, I also want to tag on a couple of things you say. If you're working, a lot of companies have you know something called an EAP, an Employee Assistance Program. <laughs> you may not have heard of it if you've not looked for it, but a lot of larger companies, actually a lot of companies have this and it may not be well marketed, but check your HR website because a lot of times these EAPs offer free, you know, three sessions of free counseling that and that could be enough to get you over the yeah. hump and, and kind yeah. of get you through whatever you're dealing with. Because you're right, sometimes it's an adjustment disorder, which means, you know, or grief disorder. So something has happened to you and you just need to talk it out to get through that that hump. Um, or you've just moved and you're you're finding that settling in is really difficult. Or you just started a new job and, and it's really stressful or anxiety provoking. And those three sessions can be enough to kind of get you where you're 
or you've, you've been laid off. And, and you know, if you've been laid off, you might want to check with your company to see if you can still use their EAP program. Um, if not, there are other websites. So the APA, the American Psychological Association, has referrals, um, as do a lot of local uh, churches and religious organizations. So you could really just Google and say therapist. And most of the time, these websites that come up, um, Psychology Today, which is a popular magazine, I think they have a, a list of psychologists. So there's a lot of places you can go. And I think, Richard, the hardest step is taking that first yeah. call yeah. And, and making that first call yeah. rather and and actually speaking to somebody. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. And, and it's hard, especially if you're not sure what the problem is. So I think that's another thing that's important. You don't have to know. You don't have to diagnose yourself. You don't have to call and say, this is my problem. You yeah. can call and just say, hey, there's some things going on. It's impacting my life. And I think that's another good sign to look for. Uh, the other thing that you just kind of allude to is that in many places it's viewed as a stigma. And so people are uncomfortable talking about it. And so the other uh, obvious best way to find a good uh, therapist is to ask uh, friends, ask people who have had that experience before. And if they've had a good experience with somebody and you trust them uh, and their judgment's good, then more than likely they could make a referral to you um, that might be a good fit. But again, always um, evaluate for yourself. Be a, be a sort of smart consumer. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so yeah, so we don't really talk about this on the show often, but I'm, I'm excited to talk about it because I do think that more and more people are recognizing that, that there is a stigma around this, but it's breaking. And I'm excited about that as a psychologist and, and as mm-hmm. a fellow psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you are too, because I, I've even referred coaching clients to therapy when I realized that, yeah, the job's an issue, and we need to work on getting you the job, but that's not the core issue. The core issue is something deeper that is actually going to prevent you from showing up at your best in the interview yeah. or showing up at your best in networking. And and if you can solve that core issue, whether it's it's maybe, maybe bitterness over, over a bad situation in your last job or something going on that's completely outside the workplace that's impacting your confidence and causing anxiety, then you need to address this first. And we're going to, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk, and we're talking about a very important topic today, um, the differences between life coaching and therapy and, and mental health and when you need to know which one to go to. We're here with Richard Marcus, who's a licensed psychologist, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, also a licensed psychologist, and we're taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're going to go to Chris in California. Chris, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hello, how you doing? Yeah, I just want to uh, just add into what you guys are talking about, about resources in, in terms of uh, mental health. Um, there's also, uh, like, Mental Health Awareness Month, um, you know, where you could, people who are seeking for help, where they could go ahead and go to those uh, walks, right? Um, they want to get more information, so at least they, there's going to be a lot of other people out there that, that are seeking for help. So maybe yeah. those resources would be a great place to start. Yeah. So have you done that, Chris? Have you gone on one of those walks or gone to one of those events or conferences in your area? Yes, I have. I've, I've gone maybe at least three, four, uh, four times. Um, every year we go out there um, to, to do the walk because my... Um, my brother-in-law uh, took his own life due to a uh, mental uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to uh, to start for other people who's seeking for help. Yeah, because you're in a, in a supportive community as well. Other people are, are, are dealing with similar losses and have similar questions and, and don't know about how all this works. And I think that's that's the important thing is that you're not alone. We, you know, how would you possibly know how any of this works unless you, you go to these events? And Chris, I'm so sorry for your loss. I appreciate you calling Career Talk. It's it's a tough topic to talk about, but I think a very, very important one. And I appreciate that you took the time to give us a call today on Career Talk, Sirius XM Channel 111. So you're listening to us talk about the differences between life coaching and therapy and, and career coaching and headhunters. And, and there's all of these people out there who are, are willing to help you. And it's about connecting to the right one. And, and, you know, we're taking your calls all hour, of course, 844-WARTON, 844-942-7866. So if you have a tip on on mental health, if you have a story, if you have um, you know something you want to contribute, or if you have any question, we're always do, taking open calls all hour long right now, 844-WARTON, 844-942-7866. 
basics. So, Richard, we were talking um, just a few minutes ago. You don't really need to know if, if you know what your specific issue is. And, and I think one of the indicators, if you're kind of toggling and you're not sure, is, you know, in the DSM-5, which we use as kind of our diagnostic manual, is that if it's impacting your daily life regularly in a negative way. So if, if you find that you're you're really irritable at work or things set you off or you're really irritable at home or you're not sleeping. I mean, that's another one if you if you just can't go to sleep at night, um, night after night after night, or if you're always feeling like your heart's pounding, um, you know, you're always sad or you're, you're moody for no reason. I mean, any of these things. And I think if you go to a psychologist and, and, you know, it's not an issue that they're going to deal with, they can refer you. So it's really about just taking the first step and asking the question. And it doesn't always have to be something that's just immediately situational. Sometimes these are, uh, uh, you've had what call them symptoms, but um, be, uh, demonstrated behaviors which have lasted a long time that you've managed, you've kind of ignored them and life has gone on, but it's just gotten to the point where it's too overwhelming. And, and, and many times you then get help and you, you might even end up saying if it, it goes well, you know, I wish I would have done this several years ago. Mm-hmm. So some of the um, kinds of uh, symptoms or behaviors people see go on for a long time uh, until they're addressed. But if they are addressed, um, uh, it can be life-changing. And, and address can be both through the therapy route or often through a medication route. Uh, medication uh, in, in, in as, as prescribed appropriately by the proper um, credentialed um, people, physicians, psychiatrists, can uh, in many situations make a huge difference. That doesn't mean they should be overprescribed, but it's equally bad to ignore a situation where medication could be helped uh, uh, if 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 if, um, if if you don't have to, mm-hmm. and I think that's the important thing. A lot of people look at this as you know, mental health as a weakness or you know something that you can control, and and it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's something chemical going on, right. and you know, or something that that maybe is a challenge that when you address it and you you get to the root of it. Life can be so much better, which means your career will be so much better and your job opportunities will be so much better because you're not isolating and you're not anxious and you're out there. So, hey, you're just tuning in 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. We're here with Dr. Richard Marcus. And so, okay, so we talked about about therapy and, and maybe going down that route. But then we have this other option, which is a life coach. So it's not necessarily a career coach, but but this other designation as a life coach. So what, what, is, what is the definition of that? Richard? Uh, well, life coach, life coaching is a relatively recent phenomena, and it sort of springs out of um, the same movement where career coaching and executive coaching comes out of. But uh, people that do that kind of work focus more on people's lives and helping them to enrich their lives. Uh, they usually um, go through a certification program, which can be uh, pretty strong, but they don't have the background in uh, behavioral health care or mental health care. Mm-hmm. So um, in their area, they can be um, very helpful in, for people who kind of, um, from a, a mental health standpoint, in the normal spectrum, but are just trying to fig- figure things out and enrich their lives. And that that's generally where life coaching uh, may may be helpful. So it's more of an objective opinion about you know yes. maybe setting goals and and what you want to do in life. Now now some of them also do c- career coaching, mm-hmm. and obviously career is a big part of life. So so there's that. But maybe you'd go to this person if you're not in a in a job search, but maybe more figuring out yeah. what you want to do and how it integrates with the rest of your life yeah. and and that kind of thing. So okay, so we have and then we have career coaches, which which are what you and I do. So wh- how would you categorize that? Well, career coaches uh, come from a variety of backgrounds. They usually either come out of HR, they come out of uh, general business, or they come out of uh, psychology, uh, psychology backgrounds. But they are all people who have a good a good amount of experience of working people who have been through job transitions, not just been through job transitions, but they have a good understanding of, of people's work style, aptitudes, interests, um, w- w- get a sense of how to ask the right questions to know what's going to um, be most productive for them. And then uh, they work with people in terms of um, determining what those things might be. And then they go on that journey with them as they begin to uh, conduct their job search. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, they could have a background in a lot of different things, as you mentioned. So recruiters, and there's a lot of certifications that they can get. So how do you know if somebody's qualified then? Because somebody might have a PhD in in 
counseling. Somebody might have a certification from the International Coaching Federation and somebody else might have something altogether different. How do you know? Well, what I tell people to do is really um, take a look at the person's background and see what they, they've done. And if they've had a, a relevant career and they've had good success at it, and you can sort of tell what what is success these days, even by going on LinkedIn and just seeing the, the level of responsibility they've had, how long they've had it. But if they've been in significant jobs where, that have had some kind of impact on people, so they've been successful at what they do, that's one thing to look for, assuming they have the credentials. And the other thing to look for is you want somebody, like I say, that has um, good facility with people so that when you meet them, you're very comfortable talking to them and working with them because the same things you're going to have to work on, they've had to do them themselves. And I'm a big believer you can't ask somebody else to do something you can't do yourself. So uh, anybody that's a coach should be able to, um, has had to deal with some of these same issues themselves. So it makes them uh, a little bit better at it. So um, a lot of people ask me, should I look for somebody who's worked in my industry? Uh, I think that's frankly less important than it is somebody that's got a really good understanding of multiple industries and business sectors. Um, what, the, what the job of a good coach is, is to help you to understand what the process you need to go through to find out or to get to, the, um, to those opportunities. They don't have to be the expert and the expert in networking within that industry. They have to be the expert in helping you to know how to network to get your way in and how to present yourself best in those situations. Mm-hmm. I say the same thing about therapy. When I used to do therapy, I don't have to have gone through your specific issue to be able to ask you questions and help you get to those answers. So I think it's very similar in life coaching as well as career coaching. It's just somebody who has the ability to ask those questions, dig down, listen for those cues of where you might be stuck and really dig into those. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Dr. Richard Marcus, and we're going to go to Richard in Virginia. Richard, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hi, Don. The Queen of XM. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. I love that title. Can we put that on the website, Michelle? You got it. Hi. Well, I'm just calling for a question about um, if you know any resource which exists online or in books uh, that shows uh, basically a hierarchy of, uh, of jobs, basically career paths in different fields. I've got like three fields that I'm considering careers in. And I'd kind of like to head in one direction in particular. And so I'm looking for a resource like that, and I'm having a hard time finding it, something that shows, well, in order, you know, these are the career paths in IT, these are the career paths in the uh, libraries or museums, and these are the career paths in uh, media or broadcasting, you know, something like that. You know what? I think this is a, a, a great opportunity for you to find a good um, career coach in your area. Um, I'm not sure that what you just described exists. I wish it did. It actually, uh, you know, it's so funny, Richard. It doesn't. I've been looking for this. When I was writing my book, I'm, I was looking for these exact resources. And some industries, Richard, Richard on the phone versus Richard <laughs> in the studio, have a central resource that I've found that that does that as, as exact as I would have liked it. But I'm sorry, Richard in the studio. And, 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 and what I would say is because this is such a personal situation, everybody's story is different, um, that you really want to uh, try to do something that's customized. And that's where uh, a career coaching or working with a good coach can be so helpful um, in helping you to clarify some of those things. And they will have um, a good understanding of what the range of, uh, like you say, the opportunities are, or they will be able to ask the kind of questions then together you can uh, go out and explore what those opportunities are. And it can, I think that can be a really rich, meaningful experience for somebody. Yeah, the reason I like the career coach, Richard, is because um, if you're not sure which of the paths you want, I think, yes, step one is figuring out what those entail, what skills, how the market is. And, and I want to get back to that in just a second. But step two is going to really be figuring out how you fit and can brand yourself to that that particular path. So I think that's where the root of the career coaching is going to be super helpful for you. There are a couple of, of websites that sort of dance around this that I'm going to put out there. So vault.com is one. And if you're in a business category, that actually has some pretty decent resources that align to kind of here's what you need, here's the path, here's the next step. Um, a very comprehensive one is Onet online.org, which is is kind of taken from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and Department of um, 
Department of Labor. That's the one I'm looking for. And pulls in 12,000 different jobs and does market outlooks and, and steps. But I find that to be so incredibly cumbersome <laughs> that that it's a little bit a little bit scary. But I mean, you can definitely look at that one. And then I would say good old Google, because if you Google and say, you know, what is the career path for broadcasting or, or anything? I mean, I did find some results on that. They're not consistent. They're not as consistent not as I would like, Richard. But I think that will, will help you at least get that. And then, of course, I'm going to go back to my number one suggestion, which is informational meetings, because I think this does two things for you. One, it'll get you the answers you want real time from people who've done it. So I would say pick three or four people in each of these three paths that you are looking to take and say, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you for 15 minutes, have some questions. And the second benefit of that is that you start to build relationships in these areas where you want to be, which can lead to a lot of other great things. So you get both the information and the relationship. Yeah, uh, related to that, there's nothing wrong with going out on interviews for jobs that you may not be absolutely in love with, A, to practice your interviewing skills, and because you never know if you go into that opportunity that it might be something you didn't think or it might lead to something else within that company. Yeah, that just happened actually to, to one of my clients that you know didn't really, went in the interview, um, actually got an offer, wasn't exactly what, what he wanted, and he turned it down. They actually came they came back to him. They liked him so much and said, well, you know, why did you turn it down and, and what are you really looking for? He explained what he was really looking for and the, the title and the roles, and they came back to him with a new offer, and it happens. It happens. So I think you just got to figure out what you want to do and stay true to it. But I definitely recommend talking to people because there's, in my opinion, no more valuable resource than than talking to people and taking that action step, which is a little bit harder than just sitting behind your computer online, but is so much more beneficial. So Richard, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. I, I love the queen of Sirius XM. That is that is probably up there with one of my favorite <laughs> favorite things I've heard so far. 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Hey, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we're here with Dr. Richard Marcus, talking about the differences between therapy and coaching and life coaching and all of the different people who are there to help you in your life. And here's the here's the bottom line. No matter what, it's always a good idea to get support. So whoever that is, whether it be a therapist, a coach, or somebody else, it's always good to have that in your life. Yeah. And when you are looking, it's, it's uh, one way to think about it is building your sort of uh, board of trusted advisors. So if you had three, two or three or four people that you knew, that you respected, that you knew had really good judgment about people, had been around, had, had good um, careers themselves, and are generous with their time and like to help, you can start to establish a relationship where you meet with them periodically over lunch, buy them coffee, and um, use them as a sounding board as you go forward. So we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. <laughs> quiz. There's a quiz? Okay. A new study showed that people who did this for at least 30 seconds each day for one month straight were 30% less likely to call in sick to work than a control group. So a group that did this for at least 30 seconds each day for a month were 30% less likely to call in sick than a control group. What did they do for 30 seconds each day? Think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Dr. Richard Marcus. We've got two psychologists today, so <laughs> it's open call Thursday. What could be better? 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Michelle and Dion are manning the phones and they would love to talk to you as well. So, Dr. Richard Marcus, where can people reach you for more information? Uh, a couple of places you can check me out on my website, um, www.richardmarcus.org. 
org or org or um, you can reach me uh, uh, at my email address richard at richardmarcus.org Awesome. So we're talking about the differences between therapy and life coaching and career coaching. And and when we we went to break, we were talking about um, credentials and how do you know that you're working with a good coach and do they need to have industry experience? But I want to move on to something that's actually a very important question that you brought up, Richard, is how do you measure success? So how do you know that you're paying this money and you're getting something out of it. And this is a little bit harder when it comes to things like therapy and life coaching and career coaching where there's not a concrete outcome. Well, the way I I would suggest that you start is always to um, come up with some general goals and not too many goals, maybe one or two goals that you want to work on. Uh, And then within those goals, then you set up some action steps that are behavioral and measurable. So uh, depending on what what those goals might be, I'm trying to think if you're in a uh, uh, career management mode or or you're looking to get a new job, the goal might be to uh, uh, meet uh, you know, to to broaden your business network, say, and then you could have some very specific goals. I will do this is an easy one, obviously. Uh, three uh, coffee meetings every week for the next month. So then you okay. So then you have your coach work with you around that. What about coaches who give guarantees? So I mean, I've seen this out there that say we will guarantee you get a job. If you run into a coach that says, we guarantee you get a job, you should go find another coach. <laughs> I love that. that there's, there's no mincing words on that one. That's, it's because it's hard. It's imp- right. Actually, it's impossible for somebody to guarantee that unless they are a hiring manager and they're giving you a job right. because every industry is different. Every person is different. And it's a great way to reel people in. I've also seen we'll continue to work with you till you get a job. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's uh, probably a good idea to, um, as much as you possibly can, have a uh, sort of finite a contract with finite times that we're going to work for this length of time. If you find it's useful and helpful, then you can continue or renew the contract. But you don't want to get into some situation where um, you're sort of with them and paying them for endlessly forever. Uh, that, that's not good. Yeah. And, and I think, too, people are probably thinking about well, what's reasonable for a coach. And, of course, there's a lot of different coaching processes. So I've, I've seen some coaches say, I do a three-month contract. That's how I work. And it's going to be X amount. I've seen other coaches say, I have an hourly rate and right. we go hour by hour. And this is the rate. So so all of them are different. And I think what you need to do is find who works for your needs. So maybe you just want a good resume. Maybe you know exactly what you want to do, but you need a resume overhaul. So the three-month package is probably right. not something you're going to need. Um, so I think that's important as well. How much would you say, because I know listeners want to know, is is reasonable for an hourly rate for a coach, Richard? Uh, that's a, a great question. It varies um, by level of professional discipline. It varies by parts of the country. But just rough, rough guidelines, probably um, anywhere from 100 to, at the extreme, maybe uh, $350 or $400 an hour. Again, and if you're, if you're seeing some of the top people in, in their fields, and these are people either who have held academic positions or have been at, um, in business and at the top of a, a large company, um, they're, they're, they probably do have a value that, that would um, uh, uh, justify that kind of a higher fee within reason. Mm-hmm. But but nobody, let me emphasize that nobody is so great that sometimes you hear some astronomical fees and that there's some kind of magic. And, and nobody, uh, again, if, if you find that there are enough good people out there that go look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. Hey, it's open call Thursday. So if it's noon Eastern time, 844-844-942-7866. We're talking all about how to find a coach, what do you want to do in life, and just any call that you like because it's open call Thursday. So, okay, so... That's that's obviously a considerable amount of money. What if you can't afford that? Because I, obviously a lot of people decide to seek a career coach when they're between jobs. So you've gotten laid off and, you know, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while and you're finding it really difficult. And, and that's just a fee that you cannot spare right now. Uh, good question. So I think that most people that go into this kind of work are, are what I would call mission-driven. They do it not just for the money. They do it because they like helping people. And so uh, even some of those people uh, 
who might have uh, higher rates, often they're in practice on their own, and they have a sliding scale. They can be flexible if, if they want to. And so oftentimes if somebody uh, is in a situation where they can't, they just can't afford that much, there's some of those coaches that will continue to, will agree to work with them uh, and take what what is, there, there should always be some fee because that, that, that sort of demonstrates a person's commitment. Mm-hmm. But it could be much smaller, and, and, and I've had people that I've wanted to work with and I've wanted to help and I believed in, and um, so I, I was willing to accept them a much smaller fee for that reason. So I, I wouldn't just assume uh, that uh, you have to pay a, a big fee for this kind of work. Yeah, or some might be flexible. Maybe they say we have a five package deal and that's what we do and you can't afford five packages. So maybe you ask, can can we do two? Now, yeah. now sometimes it's it's reasonable to believe that you're not going to get everything you need in one session. So I think right. if, if they're, they're telling you you need three or four sessions to get to your goal, then I think you need to be aware of that. But, you know, again, if, if it's you ask. There's usually flexibility. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Have you worked with a career coach or maybe you are a career coach and you want to add to the conversation? We'd love to hear from you on SiriusXM XM Channel 111. You're listening to Career Talk, 844-942-7866. Okay, so... All right, we talked about pricing and what if you can't afford um, somebody. So I think also there's resources in the community that you can probably check out. A lot of local libraries or churches or um, you know other kind of organizations that are around like career related associations offer free or very low cost workshops. Right, I would agree. There's frequently uh, a church church organizations where they will have somebody that's been uh, is a career management coach, say a career coach, and they will run a group, um, say one evening a week for people that are in job transition. And uh, we're, in, we're in Philadelphia here, and I know there's there's several in this city, so I would assume they're in other cities the same. So there are should be some resources that will be free for you where you can get um, a sort of a support from a, 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 in a group format. Mm-hmm. There's also um, there's a group called uh, Network After Work, which I think has gone national now. You can just kind of type it into Google and find that. And, you know, again, check your local libraries because they often have these types of resources available to you for low cost or no cost. Mm-hmm. Um, meetup groups, if you've not done meetups, meetups mm-hmm. are another place you can find business networking. So so don't give up if you can't afford a coach because there are other resources out there. And the great thing is, is you get to network with others while you're doing it. The other thing we haven't really talked about, but we should, is the, some of this work you can do yourself. And specifically today with so much more in technology, because it all starts, like I said before, with self-awareness. And what does self-awareness means? It means taking stock of um, really what your strengths are in, in, the, in a work setting, what, what your weaknesses might be, what kind of environment you like to work in, what kind of environment you don't like to work in, where you see your wanting, how ambitious you are, how far you want to see your career path going. And uh, there are a variety of instruments you can uh, sort of take online or do some research that are really just um, sort of basic uh, self-report surveys. So you can start to take stock and really uh, uh, get some good clarification about what you want to do that can be very helpful when you have any kind of discussion with anybody that uh, is trying to help you. Mm-hmm. So are some of those resources um, things you can share on the air, like are there specific books or websites or what, what assessment I, What sites? I would say is if you went and, and if you if you went online and um, just uh, Googled, um, uh, let's say, um, career strengths test, you will get you will get um, all kinds of instruments that are uh, really more, like I say, survey, which is you fill out your answers and it just kind of compares you to some other people and we'll give you some insights as to what would be a strength or not a strength. But but for me, the, the, the real core of it is is you stepping back and really taking a good look at yourself and saying, here's, here's the things that I like, here's the things I don't like um, in terms of moving forward and then trying to find uh, jobs or careers that are more consistent with what you like and what you're good at. Sometimes it's just having a conversation with a friend or a neighbor or a colleague who knows you and just simply asking the question, hey, you know, total objective conversation here. You know, what am I known for? What am I good at? What What do you, you know, maybe what are my blind sides that I don't see? And just really having somebody else reflect back to you. 
Uh, the other thing there is that uh, the old adage, the best predictor of future performance is past performance. So things you've been good at in the past, things that you've had success at in the past, whether it was uh, in a job or in school uh, or in sports or anything that you did well is going to give you some hints as to other things that you might do well. And if you did well at it, most likely you like it, and, and that could give you some direction to moving forward to other things you might like. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM. Channel 111, and we are here with Dr. Richard Marcus, and we are going to go into Steve in, where are you, Michigan? Where are you, Steve? Yeah, it's in Frankenmuth, Michigan. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Steve. (laughs) What's on your mind today? What's on my mind is I'm a 66-year-old man that has had 40 years of experience working in in the luxury industry, and I've also have a very creative side. I'm artistic, fine artist, uh... I was thinking of becoming a life coach because I feel I have a lot to offer through my my breadth, my experience. And I'm wondering what you think. You know, I, I think I hear you talking to a lot of young people. Now on the other side, a person like myself that wants to continue working and developing themselves, what do you think the opportunities are for a person like myself? So you actually want to become a life coach? Yeah, I'm considering. I've, I've looked at it before, thought about it, but I'm continuing to work because I've I love what I do, but I think I could really help a lot of people. I've worked on myself for years, and I've tried to always be striving for improvement. So here I am thinking, you know what, could I help some of the people you're talking to? Yeah, so first off, I love that because uh, the answer is is definitely yes. You have a lot of life experience, and there are a number of people out there who are saying, hey, help me help me avoid some of the obstacles that, that you've come across. So a couple of ways I have to suggest to you to get started, and then, Richard, if you want to chime in. I mean, I mean, one is to start volunteering doing this. So if you're a part of a church or you're a part of you know another volunteer organization or you're not, you can become – a part of these organizations and start doing this as a volunteer to see if you like it to kind of develop your style to to start getting into that type of work something else you might want to do is if you have a specific specialty you might want to start blogging about that because again I think blogging really helps you to develop your your structure and your process everybody who's a coach usually has a specific kind of structure and process they follow with clients and they, they kind of hone that in as they are trained but I think that's an another way you can start realizing, hey, this is my specialty or this is kind of where my sweet spot is, as well as helping people while you're honing it. Uh, yeah. Well, what I would say is given you've had a pretty good background, a pretty extensive background. So uh, the idea of going in your 60s into coaching is not a bad idea. There's many, many coaching certification programs out there. And um, uh, many of them are very good. They're, some of them are more expensive than others. So you may want to just do your research and find one that sort of fits your needs. Um, that's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is don't limit yourself just to life coaching. You've had a background in business for many years. So you could be involved in uh, career management coaching. You could also be involved uh in um, uh, some form of call it executive coaching. And by that executive coaching, I really mean people that are working within companies and are looking to develop themselves. So I would I would leave it more open-ended that way. Look for a good certification program. And then the third thing, though, is to go into it with your eyes open. Because the other part is once you're doing this work, you're in business just like you always were. And so you have to sell yourself. And that, and, and, and that means being able to sort of how good are you at networking? How good are you at um, uh, developing those kind of relationships so people are going to think enough of you to want to refer uh, people to you. But but uh, if you've done been successful, like I said, uh, in other things, this is a reasonable direction for you. Yeah, and Steve, I'm glad you brought up this question because I'm sure there's other listeners who are thinking, yeah, this is actually something I might want to do too. So, you know, the International Coaching Federation might be something you want to check out as a training ground. I don't know if Coach University is still out there. That used to it be is, one but as there well. Are many. There are yeah. many. So those are two that come to mind. But also there's something called SCORE, which is, you know, stands for something, something retired uh, entrepreneurs or something. I, I don't know actually what it stands for, but I know what it is. And it's it's an organization where you volunteer if you've had your own business to help other people who are trying to start their own business, get them off the ground. But there's a lot of these opportunities out there is my point. And I, I think it's great if individuals like yourself who have this wealth of experience want to give back in this way because there's plenty of people who are hungry for it. 
So thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk, Steve. That's an awesome question. And best of luck with your next step becoming a life coach. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Michael in New York, welcome to the show, Michael. What's on your mind today? Uh, yes, I'm calling to ask about what your take is or if there's been research on getting a life coach that matches your ethnicity, age, uh, gender, and you know you have some thoughts around that. So yes, there is. There actually is a lot of research out there on this, and I think one of the challenges that um, you know the research points to is that there is there's an imbalance in terms of the types of, of therapists, life coaches, and um, you know in terms of diversity out there, which makes it a little bit more challenging. One of the things that has been consistent in the research for decades is this idea of the therapeutic relationship or the the you know coaching relationship being the core piece, regardless of of what type of process you have or what type of therapy you practice, whether you're cognitive behavioral, psychodynamic, solution-focused, none of that actually matters as much as having that therapeutic relationship, which is based on trust. And that tends to be the most helpful thing that they've, they've been able to measure to date. In some cases, that means having a coach or a therapist who has a similar background and understands that. In other cases, that, that, that isn't a factor. So I do think it's something worth thinking about, but I think what's what's even going to trump finding somebody who has similar characteristics is finding somebody you have a strong therapeutic relationship to. Yeah, I, I think there are situations where uh, ethnicity or uh, some some kind of a diversity issue may be so prominent to the, um, the, the, the situation you're dealing with that it probably does make sense to... Uh, uh, find somebody that would be more aligned that way. But in general, I really agree with what Dawn said. And it's really about comfort and fit. I can say myself, I'm a you know, Caucasian male, but I've had many great coaching relationships with people from very diverse backgrounds and, 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 and different just the broad gamut of diversity issues you could have, and 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 uh, it's gone very well. You almost uh, can't predict when you first meet somebody, but um, and it's like life in general that you connect with people from all kinds of backgrounds and sometimes very different than yourself and you still have a, a great relationship with them. Yeah, and I think it's okay at the end of – I usually you know, would say give give somebody two sessions to kind of see if it feels right, but I think it's it's perfectly okay and, and all professionals, whether therapists, coaches, or anything, will be completely okay – if you say, you know what, this is not, we're not connecting, this isn't working for me, they may, you know, say, hey, is there anything we can do for that? But if you say, you know, hey, this is not working, I need to find somebody else, professional coaches should be okay with that. And I think it's really important to, for you as a paying customer to have that connection. So, Michael, great question. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. We're going to go to Siobhan in New York. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Siobhan? Hi. Um I love that you're the queen, so I hope you're wearing your invisible crown. <laughs> I know. I have to run out and get one. I, I, I don't even know where yeah. they sell those. Amazon, I suppose. Yeah. So um, I'm an executive and career coach on Long Island, and I've been a member of the ICF since its inception. So I wanted to just offer a couple of things that came up in the questions. We love that. We love um, when our callers offer advice. Thank you, Siobhan. Okay. The so, floor is um, yours. So... One is that the International Coach Federation is our governing body, like the AME would be for doctors or the American Bar Association would be for lawyers. So they don't actually have training in coaching, but they certify schools uh, who will um, train people in the competencies that have been identified that work for successful coaching, whether a person's a life coach, a career coach, or an executive coach. So that what's common to all coaches is a set of competencies mm-hmm. and a set of ethics. So the ICF website has a list of accredited schools, um, and it, it's sometimes helpful for people to understand how they learn because a lot of the schools are distance learning and some are face-to-face, and it's helpful if people think about how they best learn. Um, and so a lot of coaching has now also moved into um, – Certificate programs of universities yep. didn't exist when this this game first started. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Then, that's a great point. Check yeah. out your local universities or even online universities, right? To get that that type um, of training. And then the second thing I wanted to offer, which helped me understand the distinctions between therapy and coaching, 
was um, somewhat based on the history. So therapy came out of a medical model back at the earlier part of the 20th century. And so doctors did therapy, and then it evolved into other kinds of therapy. And it wasn't really until um, Seligman from, I think, your school. He is at um, our school, yes. Came Marty up, Seligman. Up positive psychology that we started getting away from the idea of there's something wrong that has to be fixed. And, but, but the reason I'm mentioning the medical model is that it came from like a background of healing where the practitioner had a lot of responsibility for um, the healing of the patient. Coaching came from the world of sport, and it was much more about um, performance. And so the coach wasn't responsible for the healing of a person, but for observing and helping a person see how they were performing, whether that was performing as an executive, performing in their career, performing in their life. And so it has a different flavor, even though both modalities, like good ministry and good parenting, you know, have listening skills, questioning skills, rapport, you know, building trust and rapport and those kinds of things. The, the distinction between where they came from, I think, is helpful yeah. to understand the emphasis. Yeah, I think that is super helpful, Siobhan. And, and you know, sometimes sometimes you need both. Sometimes, you know, your performance is suffering because of an underlying issue that needs healing. So I think that's where this conversation is so incredibly helpful in, in trying to at least start to untangle some of those things. But I, I think the, the bottom line is if you're not sure, call someone and ask and find out because, you know, sometimes life can be so much better once you make that, that phone call. Siobhan, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk and with those important tips. We love it when listeners call in to help other listeners. And if you've got a tip, we want to hear from you too. 844-844-942-7866. But Richard, I've got to answer this pre-break quiz because Dion's <laughs> chomping at the bit. Um, <laughs> actually, Dion, looks like you had a late night and you're trying to stay well, I, mean, I was I was here last night. Uh, oh, all night? Uh, no, was, uh, just late until night. about nine. All right, yeah. all right. So it was a late <laughs> night for Dion. Um, all right, so... Uh, <laughs> So a new study in a recent issue of the Harvard Business Review showed that people who did this for at least 30 seconds each day for one month straight were 30% less likely to call in sick to work. Dion. Take quiet time. Ooh, take quiet time. So like meditate. Yeah, meditate. For 30 seconds. For 30 seconds. Yeah, that's short. That's short. <laughs> hey, but 30 seconds of meditation is better than no meditation. I'm just going to go with that, and you can build up. But, um, but, but yeah, that's not right. Sorry, Dion. But I like it. You should do it anyway. I didn't realize in, in, until you said 30 seconds of, of meditation. That's, that's, that's not short. very long. That's not very long, but, hey, you got to start somewhere. And Like always, Dion, your answer is correct, just not the answer I'm looking for, Michelle. Well, sadly, that was going to be my answer. Not, not quiet time, but meditation, and you made them one thing. But I will say a they different one, one which could be um, 30 seconds is not long enough either. Thinking of a to-do list. Okay. Setting up your what your main goals are for the day. Speed to-do list. Speed thinking about your to-do list. So they were less likely to call in sick if they have a to-do list. They know what their priorities are. Okay. That's not it, but again, I, I like that. She That's, was pushing that, it, though, wasn't she? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you trying to sell it. If you have 60 seconds in the morning, spend 30 seconds meditating, the other 30 seconds in your to-do list, and the third, you know, you, that's your one minute now. And make your bed. And make your bed. Wow, this is getting to be a lot. Richard, do you have a, a guess? I'm, I'm going to guess hug somebody you love. Oh, For 30 seconds. Now we're going the other way. That's a long that's a, hug. That's a long yeah, that hug. is a long, right. hug. a long hug. That is a long hug. Right. That's awkward territory. Yeah, that was really sweet until it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Richard. All right. I know we're wrapping up the show. So in a recent issue of Harvard Business Review, the study showed that people who took a cold shower for 30 seconds for one month straight were 30% less likely to call in sick. If, if you also engage in exercise, you're now 54% less likely to call in sick. So, all right. So what are your thoughts on taking a cold shower for 30 seconds? Nope. <laughs> nope. I, I've got questions about this answer, but we really don't have time. Yeah, it's probably... It's, <laughs> Don't hug somebody for 30 seconds. We'll just stick at that. So, Take hey. a cold shower. <laughs> You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 11. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we will see you next time. <laughs>